Oh, we're on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, oh why are you surprised? <laughs> because I'm tired. You have had, you have had the funniest reactions to, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, upon starting this week's <laughs> podcast. It's kind of great. Well, like, you know how I it started this one. Okay, so the last one took forever to start. This one started like I wasn't like I was just sitting here kind of staring off into space. I'm also wow that um talking about that last Melrose episode kind of wore me out. Well, maybe you guys should check it out. Maybe we outdid ourselves. I'm fucking exhausted. I'm exhausted. So I was like, so I kind of was like zoning out. And then I was like, oh, shit, we're recording. Oh, shit. So, anyway, that explains that. Uh, interesting. Hello. Hello. We're on Hollywood Boulevard, and um, we've got we've got shit to talk about. We do. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I do feel like it's emphasis on shit. Oh, really? In other words, this, this will not be one of those radiating positivity uh, episodes oh. for me. Well, I have some positivity to radiate about certain things, and then certain things I will not be as positive. That may be a more accurate description of me, but I was just, you know, I was going to preface it by by being by being really harsh because I think I'm going to go there. All righty. Well, so let's let's, let's start. Let's let's start with LFG. Let's curb go. My neg, and then see if um you can pick us all up at the end. Okay, um, LFG, let's fucking go. Okay, let's fucking go, LFG. So, um, there's a new show on AMC, which you can either get if you have a cable plan or if you have the AMC Plus. Okay. App, I think that's what it is, and it's called Kevin Can Fuck Himself, which is either written as Kevin Can F Himself or Kevin Can F Asterisk Asterisk K Himself. Um. And it's a new vehicle for Annie Murphy, who is the the daughter character uh, portrayer um, from Schitt's Creek. Okay. So the one that everyone like doesn't know the name of, probably. There was Jean Levy and Catherine O'Hara and Dan Levy. And then she played the daughter or the sister, depending on whose relationship you're talking about. But she was among the Emmy winners um, for Schitt's Creek last year. And so this is her first leading role in... I won't say a high-profile show, but a mid-sized profile show um, with kind of a unique setup that I just think does not work. Uh, she plays a Boston housewife. Well, she's not a housewife. She has a part-time job uh, named Allison in a fairly unhappy, unfulfilling marriage uh, to a husband named Kevin, played by Eric Peterson, who's a really good actor. Um, and the show is split. So... The first scenes that we see uh, are set as like an 80s and 90s sitcom type thing where she is the put upon wife keeping house while she has to deal with this somewhat slovenly, nincompoop, stupid husband. It's like shades of, you know, according to Jim or King of Queens or Kevin Can Wait or whatever you're with Kevin right. James uh, in those roles. And so, you know, bright lights, full laugh track. We see a couple of her husband's family members. Show is set in Boston, so everything is very Boston sports specific and very Boston accent. And um, Pakistan, Harvard Yard. Very Harvard Yard, yeah. <laughs> very Harvard Yard. 
and then the scenes shift to to have a bunch of alternate scenes that focus on the Allison character um, out of the house, in the real world, dealing with some people um, in town, and occasionally a neighbor. Um, and it's set, it's it's darker, it's grittier, it's got an indie film vibe. Um, and it kind of reminds me of, let's say, like, The Good Girl, the indie film Jennifer Aniston did about 20 years ago. Oh, wow, um, yeah, okay. Similar, like, similar premise. It's, it's an unhappy housewife who's looking for more. Um, and the setup is basically, uh, it's twofold, because one, it is, we, the audience, must side with Allison. We must think, yeah, she's got a really shit deal. Her husband is an idiot, and he's gross because he's overweight, but actually Eric Peterson looks pretty good, all things considered. Um, And he doesn't really respect her, and she should have more than what she has. Um, And my feeling is, well, but what you're telling me is that this guy, who is a decent guy, does love his wife, is a hard worker, she's shitting on him and we're supposed to believe that he's the bad guy. I'm like, she's the one who's being dishonest with herself and everyone around her. If you're unhappy with your life or you think there are problems with your marriage, do something. And all she kind of does is look for ways to like, like kind of find an outlet. She talks to, to, to men like, like as though she might be stepping out with them. She gets at some point caught up with someone who's a meth dealer she starts plotting for ways that she might be actually able to kill her husband. My God, this is like all over the place. It is all over the place. And the structure doesn't really rein it in. And we're three episodes in so far. So I'm not sure what else they're going to do. I'm not sure if during these moments that are more of the indie film, are we going to continue to get to know the real people that are on the show that, that, and, see a bit of their backstory outside of the sitcom world that is created or is it just going to be we're going to continue focusing on this Allison character being grossly unhappy um I'm not quite sure that Annie Murphy is up to to doing some of the lifting in to like portray this clandestine sort of melancholy that the show wants us to have um but secondly the show there's an imbalance because the show is not deconstructing the sitcom format it is employing Mm. in a meta way it is just shitting on it it's just Mm. saying oh these shows about these these husband wife relationships are dumb and the men are dumb and the these shows that are like you wait for the punchline are dumb and it's like well there's this is still an art form there is still something to this whether you think it you know has been employed so many times that some shows don't capture the true art of the comedy or that you can't get that there is a heart. Like there are a lot of shows where let's say everybody loves Raymond. Like you never in doubt that the two care for each other, even if Raymond is acting stupid and right, the right. Deborah character has to play parent. Right. It's very right. clear. They love each other. Quite frankly, it's very clear that they're still doing it all the time. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so like the show is kind of gross because it's just so full of hate and kind of like, vitriol both for the sitcom format and for the idea of like this husband so i have a really kind of hostily negative relationship to the show so far i don't know if i'll keep watching it through the end of this season uh i'll watch at least another couple episodes to see 
what direction it continues to go in. But to me, it's it's not off to a great start. And I read something, perhaps in the New Yorker review, that said the showrunner had worked on one of those Kevin James sitcoms, and this is actually like a work of <laughs> career uh, revenge. But I couldn't find much about her online, so I'm not sure if that's true or perhaps someone else on the writing staff. It is true of them. I'm not really sure. So so don't hold me to that. Um, it kind my, of al- almost sounds to me like they were trying to sort of do the dark side of these sort of sitcom marriages, and it they just didn't do it right. It could it could be that was the intent. Um, but no, they're not doing it right. They, it's not really meta. It's it's really just condescending. So no, I don't think it's right. And also it's backfired because all I do is feel bad for all the other characters and hate our main character. That we are not supposed to hate. So so for me, Kevin can't fuck himself. He should save himself. That's how I feel. <laughs> His wife should go fuck herself. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I probably said that at some point in the last week. <laughs> Why doesn't she just go fuck herself? <laughs> uh, seriously. Mm. You're, ju- you're laughing and I'm like, no, I think that's right. <laughs> All right, so uh, does it does does it get any better from here? Uh, you tell me, because I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about something that you've been watching. Oh well, I figured we could talk about the Greek gods next. Yeah, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so 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 I know you've been watching Loki. Um, but that's there right, is the, the Disney Plus one. Yeah. Yes, the, which is like new. Um, but there is prior to to that. Um, there is a Danish show, like Denmark, not the pastry, not food, um, <laughs> not food, the, the country, um, called Ragnarok, and it is basically the story of, like, basically the gods and the giants and their war, but set in modern times. So it basically, so we're in the second season now. This is on Netflix. We're in the second season. I have watched almost the whole second season. I did watch the first season. Really enjoyed the second season. Have no idea what the fuck is going on in the second. Really enjoyed the first season. No idea what the fuck is going on in the second season. Why is that? What's going on? I mean, not that, I mean, obviously you don't know what's going on, but what has changed or why is it difficult to track? Okay, so the first season, these are all sort of high school kids. There's like this, um, okay, so the this kid, Magna, um, I'm going to fuck these names up because they're all Scandinavian. Um, <laughs> he's kind of like a gentle giant. He's kind of a big kid, and, and he's in high school, and, and, um, and he's, I think he's dyslexic. And um, so he really struggles in school and there's like this whole thing about him needing glasses and maybe that's going to help him learn. Um, But it kind of really doesn't. But anyway, he gets befriended by um, this other schoolgirl. I think her name is Gree. And um, her dad is a teacher. I think he's like a literature teacher. I don't think he's a history teacher. Um, but anyway, he befriends this girl who's kind of like this a climate activist. Um, and they're mm-hmm. kind of like best friends, like two misfit best friends, right? Um, just kind of like palling around together. And um, 
And she, it turns out, discovers something. Okay, so then there's this really wealthy family in town. They have two two spoiled kids that go to high school um, with with Magna and his brother, um, who is I can't remember Loritz. His brother is Loritz, and um, and Loritz and Magna are very poor. This other family is very wealthy because they own. I don't know, they own some sort of industrial factory in town that turns out is poisoning the entire town. It's in the water supply. Um, people are dying of cancer because of this factory. Like, it's like this sort of like scan. It, 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 start, it, it turns into a scandal. The, I'm going to have a whole lot of spoilers in here. Um, and, and But it basically is these sort of like, you know, the, the, this picked upon, these picked upon kids. And it kind of is like, it's kind of like that typical high school storyline where you've got the underdogs and they kind of, you know, mm-hmm. triumph over the popular kids who are really mean. But um, but it has this sort of Greek gods, uh, the gods versus the giants twist to it, which makes it pretty interesting. Um, at the time, Magna has no idea that he's Thor. And then, you know, his friend dies. Um, so his best friend dies because she's killed by this family because she, oh. like, discovers, uh, like, how they're poisoning the water and, like, this hidden thing. And and so she ends up getting killed. And, and Magna is kind of, like, investigating what happened to her and discovers that this family killed her. But while he's discovering that, he also discovers that he has these superpowers. Um, and it turns out that he's Thor. Um, the second season comes, uh, turns around and we find out that his brother Loritz is actually his half brother. He was actually fathered by one of the giants. And now that, so, so the whole time with like Loritz, he's kind of, okay, he's Loki. All right. I'm just going to say it. He's Loki. Right. Right. He's been a trickster the whole, you know, he's been this trickster character through the whole first season. He's a joker. He drinks too much. He parties. He plays both sides. He's friends with the popular kids. He loves his brother, you know. Um, But then I don't know. Then then it's like now his dad is this giant. And and so his storyline comes into play a bit deeper. But they've kind of like done these things with him where suddenly this was never brought up before, but he's like, I never felt like I fit in. Um, and this explains why I uh, thought it was because I was gay, but it's actually because, um, you know, and, and because I don't believe in gender and, you know, I, gender is a construct and he's going through all of that. And then he's like, but I think it's because I'm half giant. And like, I don't know. It would be, I don't, but at the time he didn't know it was, a, he was a giant that comes later, but he's like, it's because I'm actually not, you know, uh, that you, my father's not your father. And so therefore that's why I feel different. I don't know. I, I felt like the first season was really promising because they really leaned heavily yeah. into that high school story, right. About the misfits and not fitting in, which I always think, you know, can make for compelling stories. I mean, let's face it. That's why they always do so well, right. That's why twilight was a big hit. That's why the hunger games was a big hit. You know, it's about the sort of like the underdog triumphing over, over this, you know, over adversity. And, um, and I feel like the second season, they kind of lost that. Oh, that's that's too bad. So just to be clear, this is like primarily like a teen drama, a high concept. It's drama. a very high, a very high concept teen drama. Yes. Is there like a sense of fun to it? Is there adventure in the scenes or is it mostly just mm-hmm. like it's very suffering? it's very soft. It's very Scandinavian. And it's so 
none of the characters knew like any sort of like mythological era life. They only know like their current modern times life. It's not like only they the, knew the giants knew. The giants, the giants knew forever Does and the so, audience know that they've been sort of transposed or we're just finding out as the characters learn. Um, well, we find out about the giants and they've known all along. And so we kind of have known all along and we're getting drips that, um, that he's Thor. And I don't think they've even come right out and said, you are Thor, you are Loki. You know, it's just been stuff like you need a hammer and, you know, and then obviously they'll throw every reference. Yeah. But they don't actually say like we like, I don't remember. I think they have now called Magna Thor, but they have not said anything about Loritz being Loki, even though it is so clear that he is. And so we're getting like it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting like introduced to like, and so Magna, it needs to kind of like find the gods, like the gods are hidden among this community and he needs to like, figure out who's on his side and who the gods are. So we're slowly meeting all of these different gods. And like, I guess if you really know Greek mythology, maybe you'll enjoy it more than I do. I, I know it's like, I, I know sort of like the basics. I don't know a whole lot. And so now I feel like things are kind of going over my head a bit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, and and it's not, and like I said, like I think we're kind of abandoning that sort of like the teen drama part and really moving mm. into something completely different that I'm not enjoying as much. And like I said, it's confusing as fuck. Yes, it does sound like it. Like I'm just like I I like you know I don't remember one episode last week. I just looked at my husband. And I was like I don't even know what just happened. No, don't even ask me. I have no idea. Oh, I think I feel that way all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, does your Loki fare better? Um, yes and no. I think it's almost the reverse. It feels slighter to me. Um, you know, it's an offshoot of the whole Marvel Universe. So, semi-spoiler alert, in the films that have now kind of come to their own conclusion, Loki is dead. But an alternate version of Loki still exists because of something he did in one of the Avengers movies. So he now exists in in, um, what's called the the Time Variance Authority, the TVA, which I always think of like as the Tennessee Valley Authority first. But um, (laughs) so it's it's like kind of like a, a jail of sorts. It's a bureaucratic kind of organization and it exists like its own plane of time. Um, and they give Loki a choice of sentences, which is like he can either be erased from existence or help fix the timeline that he like screwed up and 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 catch a greater threat. And he's so he's paired with one of these fighters um, or one of these, I guess, bureaucrats, I should say, played by Owen Wilson. Um, and it's six episodes. I've seen three so far. The fourth drops tomorrow, so I'll probably have seen it by the time this shows up, um, this episode. But um, I don't even think Owen Wilson was in the last one. So it's it's fan service. It really it's it's really like they're trickling every last morsel they can get out of every possible character of the MCU. Um, but feels low stakes. It's, it, I'm not, it feels like it's a completely different 
character because Loki was both maniacal and methodical and willing to do whatever to exact revenge. He hated his whole family. Um, he was a bad guy. And now he's now he's more of like just a cosmic rebel. Um, you know, like he'll dodge certain questions. He'll have attitudes when giving certain answers. But in the end, you can kind of depend on him. Um, and he's not the one creating most of the chaos for the, this this TVA organization. But it really, I mean, A, it feels like a movie. This doesn't really feel like there's enough to milk any sort of series out of. It's just sort of mm-hmm. a chopped up movie in six parts. Um, you know, and there's some other very good actors who've been cast, you know, the, the design of all of the different locations they go to is quite fun. Um, but it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of, of there, there. Like, I don't get angry watching the episodes. Um, I just, am kind of like, oh yeah, and that was done. Oh, that was a thing that happened. Okay, fine. I don't really remember where we are by the time we go back the next episode you know it really feels like it's something out of just like almost one of those anthology series like from the 80s like freddy's nightmares Mm. or the the hitchhiker or something like that like there's a basic through line only instead of coming from something with a cult following it comes from something that has like the most rabid following around the world um but there isn't there just isn't a lot of true story uh, to mine. And I even feel like Tom Hiddleston is just sort of like thumbing his nose at everyone. Like, see what I get to do? Beyond really? Oh, do. I love no, I'm not, Hiddleston. But I feel like you're, get, you're still getting, he's giving you Hiddleston. I just, I just feel like he can do this in his sleep. Okay. Well, um, here's, it's, I not, mean, it's not a demerit for him. It's not okay, a demerit gotcha. necessarily for anyone. I just think it's kind of low-hanging fruit. Okay. See, now I have seen none of the Avengers, like none, like I've, I've avoided that. Um, but do you, I feel like it kind of is one of those things that is, has run its course and what the hell are they doing? Uh, am I right? Has it run its course? Does it feel like it's been like, it's over now? Like talking, let's put it to bed. Talking, talking to me. Yeah. I think it has run its course. Okay. Uh, and I think that's largely because you know, that's what the people helming it kind of did by the time they got to the Endgame movie. Like, they created their own logical, satisfying conclusion for the this whole world of characters. So now they're going to keep making movies with some of, like, the lesser characters in the universe. And by lesser, I even mean, like, you know, the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies that are still coming out. There's another Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> um, but it does, you know like diminishing returns so i said if you ask me yes that's how i feel like this thing is done it's done and you you called it like you said when you reached the end of the story you want to tell but i'm sure if you ask another person i'm sure if you ask a more like a fan fan, like a big marvel fan fan or something right they'd be like no 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 it'll never be done more movies and i'll be the problem (laughs) yeah and that's valid because that's their point that's their that's their thing as fans so that's fine well, I, I think what, what has fascinated me most about this whole conversation is Owen Wilson. Where the fuck has he been? Yeah, that I can't answer that because I have not paid attention to him for years. And he's fine. 
It's like kind of cool to see. Like he's fine. Right. Um. Right. Oh, meanwhile, I was gonna say another one of those like uh, MCU stragglers. Probably in the next week, we'll be talking about um, the Black Widow movie with Scarlett Johansson, which is a character whose journey, like, pretty convincingly seemed to come to an end by the end of uh, Endgame. Um, but but now we're going back to to give her more backstory and introduce even more side characters to give extension stories to. It's like so the world doesn't really end, but the world really could have concluded itself. We could have wrapped it up a while ago. Yeah. Oh, but no. we're not wrapping it up yet because there's something else that you want to talk about, and I feel like you feel highly about this. So yes, we will. Let's dismount there we will finish on a high note although it might make you angry it made me angry so um spoiler alert um i broke down i got hbo max oh my god yeah um convinced by things i had said in the last well yeah i mean i really wanted to see mayor of east town i was like which i haven't even started yet because there have been so many other wonderful things like i had mentioned wag the dog i think in, that was the last podcast not this podcast yeah um and I, because i rewatched it because it was on each because you could because i it. could um you know so so that's been kind of wonderful i started watching um oh shit what was it called i'll be home uh was it i'll I'll be home and I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started, which I really wanted to watch that. And the reason why I did end up getting it is like my my daughter said, um, "Mom, are you getting HBO Max?" Because it's one of those things that I've sort of thrown out every once in a while, like, "Oh, maybe I'll get HBO Max." And she's like, "Mom, uh, did you get HBO Max?" And I was like, "Oh boy, why?" And then she's like, "Well, there's this documentary I really want to see that's on HBO." And I was like, "Ah, fuck it, I'll get HBO Max. Like, this is enough. Like, you know, the Succession has got to be coming back on soon, right?" So we'll get there eventually. We'll get there. I'm ready. Um, so I broke down. I did it. And um, and so what she wanted to see, which I ended up watching with her, was a movie, a documentary called LFG. Which stands for we we find out in the documentary it stands for let's fucking go, and it is about the um, U.S. women's national soccer team's ongoing fight. Very cool. Will pay. This is phenomenal. It is a marvelously done documentary. Um, it stands obviously firmly on the side of the women. Right. Um. So there is not a whole lot of um. It, it definitely has picked a side um, it's, and, and it's picked an obvious sure. side. And so the villains are the whatever National Soccer Federation or whatever, whatever it is. And um, and our heroes are the women. But what an extraordinary tale it is. Um, very eye opening. Uh, some of these women, when they started playing, were making fifteen thousand dollars a year. Holy, holy crap. Imagine fifteen thousand dollars a year. One of the soccer players, now I don't really know, like I'm not, like my kid watches soccer. I only know, uh, I only know Megan uh, Rapino, and, and I don't really know the other ones, the other players. Um, but she was, she was um, working with, on the off season, like when she wasn't like, like on the road with games, she was working at Amazon in the warehouse. This wow. is a woman on the U.S. national soccer. This oh. is a woman 
then who goes to the Olympics. This is, and she's working at fucking Amazon because the soccer federation paid her $15,000 a year. She's got a kid. She can't even afford childcare. I mean, it is criminal with how um, U.S. soccer has paid these women, specifically in comparison to uh, to the men's soccer team. And so it really sort of like goes sort of starts at the beginning of their fight and how they all came together. I think it's like 20 odd women who basically said we're standing together and we are suing for equal pay. And and um, it was really extraordinary how they all did come. Because, you know, when a group of people get together, there's always the one person who's going to ruin it. Right. Like you're like, we need to present a united front. And there's like Becky over in the corner going, well, guys, I don't really know if this is such a good idea. Absolutely not. None of that going on. These women were standing tall together and they did it together and they filed suit. And um, it was a very, very long process. Um, this it's it's still ongoing. Um, the U.S. Soccer Federation's stuck their foot in their mouth several times, and at one point, um, you know, after after these like grueling de- depositions that these women had to do like seven, eight, nine hours every day um, over the course wow. of weeks, you know, sort of like doing these depositions. Um, it finally came out that their defense of their behavior, right, was because women <laughs> was essentially because these women were biologically inferior to the men. That was their that, that was, old chestnut. That old chestnut. That Jeez. was what they were trying to oh, take Jesus. through court. I mean, that was like, and that, and that completely, obviously, like blew up in their face, and all of a sudden there was a lot of media attention and all of that. But ultimately, what ended up happening is, on paper, it shows it looks like they've earned about a half a million dollars more as a team altogether a half a million dollars more than the men's soccer team on paper. But what they don't sort of explain, and so this is why the the suit got actually, their lawsuit, that part of their lawsuit got thrown out of court. And that's kind of like where we leave it in this documentary. Um, so what ended, because because it showed that they, they actually earned about a half million dollars more. And so it was like, well, there must be equal pay because you earned this. But what they didn't point out is these players get all sorts of bonuses. So like if you win a game, you get a bonus. If you win a game attached to the World Cup, you get a bonus, you know, X amount of money bonus. If you win the World Cup, you get a a certain bonus. So like every time they win, there's a bonus tied to it. So they've only made a half a million dollars more than the men's team who only won three games in that in that season that they were looking at women's soccer the women's soccer team won like every game and went yeah. and and actually won the world cup and they went all the way yeah they they did all of this stuff won all the way played this like were like the height of athlete like they were amazing and even with all of so they ended up getting all of these bonuses that they would never get if they were losing. And that is the only reason why. So even so, like, even the, the men sucked, like the men's team sucked. They only won three games. 
And they only made a half a million dollars less than the women who won all of these games. So you can't go like that's equal pay. That is not equal pay because right, right, because play those are additional, such yeah. an elite that's not level. A base salary. Yeah. yeah, like they have to play such an at such an elite level to make that money. You know that that how is that how is that parity? And what's funny is that if you look in big business, executives have bonuses tucked in all the time as part of their executive compensation so that it can't be taxed a certain way. Yep. And so that if there are pay cuts or whatever happens during really fallow times in a corporation's life, those things are still there to rescue them. Yeah. Um, but they are not rescuing the women's soccer team uh, in court. They are being used against them. And, you know, it was really interesting because one of the things that I always have heard is like, oh, well, women don't make as much like women in sports don't make as much as men in sports because they don't have the same like the fandom isn't there. Right. They, they don't, don't bring sell out the, the same, games. Yeah. They don't bring out the game. They don't do you know, they, nobody sees their games. Nobody watches on TV. That's actually not the case with women's soccer. They sell out their games. Um, they have, uh, they air on TV when they do air on TV, they have enormous viewership numbers. Um, so actually you cannot make that argument in the case of women's soccer, because they actually have a larger fan base, larger viewership than the men's team. Interesting. Very interesting. Oh, so my question, was this the documentary that your daughter wanted you to get HBO Max to watch? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good for her. Yeah, this was. So, I mean, it was just one of those documentaries where I just, you just sit there and you're yelling at the TV. Because right. that's exactly what I did. Like, I would, like, my daughter and I, I mean, maybe because we're hyper passionate about this, but we both were sitting there and like yelling at the TV through the entire documentary and yelling, what the fuck is that? I can't believe that happened. You go, girl. You know, I mean, it was like, right. It was just like, you know, one and the other, Megan Rapino has fucking style. I've never seen her. This is like the first time I've ever sort of seen her like outside of her soccer outfits and, you know, going to court and being on TV and, you know, doing like news programs and stuff like that. She got style. She is a, I was like, I want her whole wardrobe. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was an absolutely fascinating, uh, documentary. And I think that even if you're not a soccer fan, I think that, um, but if you do, you know, care about equal pay and, and parody and all of that, I I think that there's a lot to chew on here. I bet. Yeah. I think we will add it to our list. Yeah. It's really, it's really well done. Yeah. I was just going to say, it sounds like it's really well made. It's very, very well done. So yeah. So that's like two thumbs up. Good. Well, then that is really the best way to, to lift us up at the end of uh, this podcast. Yeah. So thank you. I'm uh, glad you got HBO Max, and I'm very curious to find out what stuff you might be watching now in the next few weeks. I'm curious, too. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> well, but in I the guess meantime, that's it. Yeah, we got to go, because now you have all these movies to watch. So, um guys it's the halfway point of the year so happy july 4th um we've we've made it this far so let's just keep on trucking we wish you a a happy and safe week and if you have anything any recommendations anything you think we should be watching talking about you know the drill 
find us on Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. Um, and, you know, we're happy to, to add in any suggestions to our repertoire. But till then, we will see you back next week when we are back on the boulevard. Bye. Take care. Bye.